Hey listeners, before we get started, I wanted to share with you a brand new podcast that you might be interested in. It's the new Braves Dugout Podcast. This podcast is about all things Atlanta Braves baseball. They talk about roster moves, potential trades, game recaps. Now this may all seem cliche for a sports podcast, but they also include a special segment each week where they talk about controversial topics using only stats and logic and no bias. Controversial topics such as which Braves player should or should not be in the Hall of Fame, why your favorite player may not be as valuable as you think they are, or how certain players you may not like deserve more love. It's the new Braves Dugout Podcast. You can currently catch this podcast. See what I did there? Catch this podcast on Spotify or on Anchor.fm. It's sure to be a hit. Last week on the Real World Narfell, Mordai and Varus found out they were getting a new roommate this week. Dude, I hope it's a hot lady, Tiefling. They're not going to put two Tieflings in the same apartment. But you're a gnome. Yes, but you're a Tiefling. Oh, yeah. He's He's here. here. Come Come in. in. Hi, guys. What What are you? He has wings. He must be a dragonborn. Are you from the Nerixius clan? Um, no. Dude, but look at those ears. You have got to be an elf or a halfling. Wrong again. Definitely not an orc or a gnome. Correct. Human? Ding, ding, ding. Uh, then what's up with the black wings and ears? Yeah. Who, who are you? I'm Batman. Batman? Can, can you fly? No, not really. But I can fall slowly. (laughs) Are you super strong? I've been tested to have strength of up to 12. (laughs) And a dexterity of 16. Two hours later. So let me get this straight. You are only human, and you intentionally dress like this to intimidate other humans. And you can't fly, but you can fall slowly. And you have no dark vision without special glasses. And you can't spew fire, poison, cold, lightning, or acid. And you can't speak draconic, or gnomish, or dwarvish, or elmish. And you can't cast any spells. And your base walking speed is only a 20 because your outfit isn't flexible enough and it weighs too much. Can we vote him out now? Who's that? That must be for me. Hey, everybody! I'm so excited to be here! Where do I sleep? Are you hungry? Can we go out to eat? Oh, oh, you don't want to go out to eat? Okay, okay, that's cool. Well, we can just chill here. Hey, guys, I'm sorry. It's a package deal. Vars, Mordai, this is Robin, the boy wonder. Can you ask him to put on some pants? Yeah, those green skivvies are a bit revealing. And what can he do? Does he fall slowly like you? Well, he can wiggle his ears. Oh, oh, and we can send him to Starbucks. Yes, yes, dude! So while he's gone, let's work on getting you some more Rogue Multiclass. Tune in next week when the guys decide to go to the bar and we hear Robin say, Ork! <laughs> more like pork!
Welcome to another amazing, fun episode of the Above Average Joe Show. Woohoo! Am I allowed to do that? I don't even know. You, we can do whatever we want to. This is our episode. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and today, our guest, who you've already heard chime in there, has worked on projects such as the Dallas Reboot, Salem, The Gifted, I Saw the Light, which was a Hank Williams movie. Vampire Diaries and the original. She also has her own podcast, her own production company, and her own Twitch channel, of which she runs trivia and a Shakespeare rating. She's doing a lot of stuff around here. And I know her from working on costumes and making costumes from scratch. Not oh, just man. throwing yeah. people's outfits together, but our guest <laughs> today, you may know her as Babs the Bat. I know her as Ashley Fletcher. Our guest today, Ashley Fletcher, a.k.a. Babs the Bad. How are you doing? I am good, and you made me seem so much cooler than I feel I am. (laughs) (laughs) I understated everything, in my opinion. I I couldn't say enough about you, about how great you are. Oh, uh, no, but I'm just like, when people are like, you know, tell us something fun about yourself. I'm like, um, I don't know. I like coffee. (laughs) I like to dress up as a bat in my spare time. I don't know. You know, as people do. Yeah. But then I like, you know, I think back on it. I'm like, I've actually gotten to do some pretty cool stuff. If, you know, I'm not bragging on myself too much. Like, I'm very happy with where life has taken me over 10 years at this point. Wow. It's been a crazy ride. Well, we'll go ahead and get started with the first question, because that will lead us up to all of that. And how did you get started in the film industry to where you've done a million different things? Well, okay, so I started I started off doing theater in high school and college. And like from the moment I first stepped on stage, I knew I wanted to be an actor. I fell in love with performing. I was a band kid. I was I've been performing my whole life in choir or band or something. And... Then I did two years of college because I wanted to pursue a career in the film industry. And my parents were like, I mean, okay, but you're at least going to get your associate's degree so that you have something to fall back on, but you also don't put yourself in debt. (laughs) And that's like my one like big life accomplishment is I don't have any student loan debt. (laughs) Yay! But (laughs) Lucky you. I know. Two years, man. That's, That's all I needed. I'm from Texas, so I was trying to essentially launch this film career out, basically out of Dallas, Texas, which, you know, has some stuff, but their film commission is just not on board with anything ever. And so unless it just has to be shot in Texas, the film commission is just like, meh. And so weirdly at my mom's job she started talking to people and someone told her about this extras casting company called legacy casting and we got me signed up through that and I started doing some background stuff for commercials and I worked on a independent film that lost its funding but it had like some really big names in it like Matthew Lillard oh wow which we're gonna circle back around to that because um, <laughs> life is weird. So we're gonna circle back around to that. But anyway, I did background for this little like independent film. It never got finished. And then after that, the Dallas reboot was already going, and they were about to start season three. 
and somehow in talking to the extras casting people they were like oh yeah like we're getting ready to gear up for dallas season three you should you know be sure to like apply for the stuff and i was like okay cool and my parents of course were like oh my gosh dallas dallas we remember (laughs) watching dallas in the 80s or whatever 30 years ago (laughs) i know right (laughs) and so they were really excited that i was potentially going to be working on dallas and then everything just kind of like fell into place i was able to do that I did some stuff at the South Fork Ranch, which, you know, is like the place in Dallas. And so that was really cool. I made a lot of really amazing friends. And that was kind of my first step into everything. Did you make it onto set while working on Dallas? I did. I worked on set a lot. I got to do some stand-in work through them. And I became part of the core office group oh wow so anytime like the they were in the office like they have the same people running around because it's a small office yeah so that was really nice because it was like a pay bump and going from the 64 dollars for eight hours up to like the 125 what you know is such a big deal when you're a background extra (laughs) it's twice as much money plus you've got well i wouldn't say consistent work but you have more work coming in than just one or two days you've got several days and because we were a small bg group at the studio we got to eat the crew food and so like we thought we were the coolest people and so you know i got to i got to know um, a couple of the a couple of the cast. Um, one of them is Josh Henderson. He was John Ross. I became really good close friends with his stand-in, and so we ended up all like hanging out, and it was a really fun like step into everything. I felt like I was with the coolest people on this planet, and after that, the same extras casting company was doing the show Salem. That was shot in Texas? No, that was actually shot in Shreveport, Louisiana. But because Shreveport is only like three hours from from Dallas, and because that area doesn't have a lot of that kind of stuff until you get more down to New Orleans, then Legacy Casting was was handling both Dallas and Salem. It's just interesting that Salem is like Massachusetts. Yeah, and they're shooting no. like on the exact opposite end of the country. <laughs> we were on a piece of land down there in the outskirts of Shreveport, Louisiana, down by this lake, and they built a full-fledged town. Wow. Yeah, there's actually there's actually a lot of videos up recently where people have gone down there and hunted it down and gone through the place, and they're like, you know, this show ended six years ago, like what's going on with this town and it's still there no one has used it since salem wrapped and everything is like overgrown and you know the buildings are starting to fall in because they're just shells but you know we had we had a five-year lease on the land and we only went for three seasons i worked on seasons one and two it was really weird because the owner of legacy casting who i got to know really well approached me and was like hey you know, you match a couple of the lead actresses on Salem and we're looking for stand-ins for them. Would you be interested? It would require you to move to Louisiana. And I was like, 
I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to turn down this opportunity. Never thought I would live in Louisiana, but yeah, absolutely. So I, where I finished my day, I finished my day on Dallas, and then I realized how crazy it was. But my dad's a pilot, so I have always had, you know, non-rev standby flight privileges. And so at this point, I was basically just ready to chase anything down. And my dad's entire side of the family is from Georgia and from Atlanta. And so at this time, you know, Vampire Diaries was super huge and super, like, super big show on the CW. And it somehow came across my lap that they were looking for background and because I didn't have to spend money on a plane ticket, because I was going somewhere where I was familiar and had a place to stay, I was all like, yeah, I'll go work one day on Vampire Diaries. <laughs> and then it, and it literally lined up to where I finished my day on Dallas. I left the next day to go to Atlanta to work on Vampire Diaries. I worked on Vampire Diaries the next day. I flew back the day after that and then immediately was pretty much in a car with my mom moving to Louisiana. Wow. Yeah. So she up and moved to help you follow your dream. There was always a part of them that's just like, like, if you do this, you have to make money. You can't just spend <laughs> money and then not make money. You know, moving full-time to Louisiana and being full-time on a show was just, you know, that was the dream at that point. Yeah. And when I started doing stand-in work, I realized that it was basically free film school where, you know, you're in the hustle and bustle of it on set. You're in front of the cameras. You're, you know, you're in the spotlight and you're learning everything you need to learn. And you're basically getting to be the actor without the pressure of having to learn lines and run lines typically <laughs> typically depending on what's going on yeah um i i've been very fortunate to get to do like some off-screen reading or to run lines during rehearsals as the character that i'm standing in for and those were a blast but you know i also when it when it comes to those situations especially when you want to be an actor you want it to be good so that hopefully the director or the producers take notice of you mm -hmm. and they're like oh yeah no we remember that one time she ran lines in rehearsal and of course like now we're gonna offer her a part like that's how you always imagine it'll happen that's not how it ever happens because you're like I know it's possible I know it is I've heard of people like having these experiences three out of 50,000 people have done it I can I be know. number four <laughs> I know right the odds are totally in my favor <laughs> but evidently it was never meant to be, which, you know, I'm a firm believer in things happen when they're supposed to happen. I got to work two years on an amazing show. I earned a very great reputation for myself as a stand-in. Um, once I kind of figured out which, and when I was working on Dallas, my friend Cody, who is, you know, Josh's, Josh's stand-in, he basically like, Gave me stand-in training and was like, you know, if you ever get the chance to stand-in, like, make sure 
that you do this and you're always like aware and you're always ready to jump on set and like gave me a great foundation to build on from when I started standing in full time. And so whenever started working on Salem, I really dug deep and there were, there were a couple instances where you realize just how replaceable you are if you don't let them know how valuable you are. Yeah. And so I was like, I will do everything in my power to make sure that if my character is on set or if they need, you know, one of us core people to jump in for someone else, that I am that person. Like, I'm going to leave a great impression on my ADs and my producers and everybody. And I worked, I worked my tail off because, you know, they always try to, you know, consolidate and condense. And they, sometimes they pull those days where even if you're the official stand-in for somebody, if it's easier to have someone else just cover that person because your character's only in one scene, but the other person is there all day for their character. Like they try to shuffle people around yeah. to just consolidate so that they don't have to pay everybody every day. You know, but even if there's seven actors, we may only need five stand-ins because we only exactly. have five actors on set at a time. Right. So they need to figure out which two do we cut and you don't want it to be you because then there goes your paycheck. Yeah, exactly. And so I was all like, I'm going to make sure that I am the person that never gets cut. I am because I have to have my days. I need to work as much as possible. I'm very proud of the work, the work that I did on that show. Towards the end of season two, one of the other people felt like their days were getting cut and they went to extras casting and extras casting didn't realize what was actually going on and so tried to give them my last couple of days and I was like no like what what is happening and uh um and my actor my actress actually stood up for me and when I wasn't there was like where's Ashley why why is she not here and it, that was, that's one of my proudest moments is it's like, okay, my actress and I never really became like friends, but I earned, I earned her respect because she was always very like, she's focused on work. She, she was never like, you know, the goof around, hang out, chat kind of person. She was always just like, I'm here to do my lines. I'm here to work. And I've said, it's kind of hard to, to match up times with the stand-in and the actor. Because mm-hmm. you're literally rotating who's on set. Right. So the actor shows up, they do their thing, then the stand-in comes in, actor leaves. Then mm-hmm. the stand-in leaves, the actor comes in. So you never really have time to hang out and chill with your actor yeah. if you're standing in. And, you know, they always they always try to scare you into not talking to cast and be like, you know, you don't you don't talk to first team. You just you just don't. You leave them alone. They are here to work. So, you know, and then when you're like switching out with your actor, typically your actor will, you know, come in and just be like, okay, thanks. And you're like, you're welcome. I don't really know how to respond to this because we're both just here doing our jobs. You shouldn't have to thank me. I feel like, I don't know. Um, it's, it's good to know you're appreciated though. 
Right. Because when you get the actors that are so focused and they forget to thank you, and then you're like, am I doing a bad job? Do they not care that I'm here? Or Do they not like me? Because that's also the thing is it's like if your actor doesn't like you, then they can have you booted as well. You never know. Yeah. And so – you know, it's it's this really hard balance of trying to stand out as an individual and pave your own way in this industry, but also, like, you're there basically being the shadow version of someone else, and you don't want to do anything to make them mad or make anyone else mad because you're very easily replaceable. There are hundreds of other people that are fair-skinned and dark-haired. Yeah. You're the Windows Vista of the actor. I know. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it was it was a really fun experience. I made some really great friends on that show. You know, we had the same crew basically all three seasons. And after season two is when I officially moved out to Atlanta. And it's so funny seeing all of my all of my Salem crew, my Salem family are pretty much all out here now. I've worked with almost all of them again on just various projects around Atlanta. Wow. And it's and it's so fun to just be like, oh my God, I haven't seen you in like two years. <laughs> oh my gosh, how are you? Like, it, it's so, it's so like, it just like re-energizes my soul when I find someone from my Salem family around here. Because it's literally like a family reunion anytime that you see them. Because you get so close-knit with those people. Yeah, when you're spending two years out in the woods of Louisiana, like, in the cold and the hot, and just, you know, we're there for 14 hours a day. Like, of course you get close to everybody. Until the humidity hits in and then everybody starts to stink, then you kind of keep a little bit of distance. Right. But we're socially distancing right now in this pandemic anyway, so it was just (laughs) foreshadowing and practice for the real thing. Yeah. So that was the longest tangent of how I got into the film industry. And that there, that sums up how I got to Atlanta, which is where I am currently. (laughs) (laughs) And in Atlanta, you worked on Vampire Diaries, which you already mentioned. I did. I actually went back and did uh, a couple more days on Vampire Diaries. And then also worked a couple days on the originals, both as background and as a stand-in. But the originals will always hold a special place in my heart because um, the originals is where I met my husband. Aww. So he was a background costumer and I was background and he dressed me in a turkey costume. (laughs) And then we compared nerd tattoos and the rest is history. Turkey costume. You just like kind of breezed over a turkey costume. (laughs) Okay, so that was the short version. The long, the longer version is it was a Thanksgiving episode of the originals, um, and so they were doing this like turkey trot, fun run type thing, and so they booked me as one of the joggers or whatever in the turkey trot fun run thing. And so I literally showed up to set. I have my glasses on. I didn't really put on makeup because you know I'm supposed to be doing a turkey trot. Um, I'm in a hoodie and sweatpants, not looking my best, I will say. And it was like drizzly outside and like rain, kind of like raining on and off. So it was just like a miserable day. And 
when you know background costumes had some like thanksgiving themed pieces to give everyone so that it looked you know festive and stuff like that and so you know there were there were suede foam pie hats and there were like you know the drumstick hats that you like put on your head and it's the turkey legs and you know stupid fun stuff like that (laughs) but they had three turkey costumes one of them was completely inflatable one of them i don't remember and the other one was the one that i got which was it was like a little skirt with the feathers and stuff and then it had like (laughs) a uh, like a neck that went up and then it was like a little hood and so i'm waiting in line to see what what they give me and in the back of my mind, I'm just like, please don't let me get a turkey costume. <laughs> because still at this point, I am still that shy person that just doesn't want that kind of attention on her, which is completely weird as I'm like trying to be an actor through this whole thing. And as soon as I step up, Dustin looks at me, locks eyes with me and goes, I know exactly what I'm going to put you in <laughs> and proceeds to hand me a turkey costume. And I was just like, ah, dang it. Okay. So I go and I like put it on over my sweatpants and my hoodie. And we go and we hang out in background holding. And BG costumers come around and they make sure everyone looks good before going to set. And he comes over to me. Um, I notice he's wearing a flash shirt. And I was like, oh, you know, nice shirt. That's so cool. I love comics. And I typically, I typically don't engage with a lot of people in background holding whenever I'm being background because background people can be weird. (laughs) As you say this, as you're sitting there in a turkey outfit. (laughs) Yes. But I'm like off by myself. I've found like my one friend that I'm just going to like stick with for the whole time. And she was like, she was an older lady and we hit it off really great. But, you know, I try not to like engage with a lot of people. Like, I'm just like, I'm here to work. I'm not here to goof around and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't, again, I don't know what possessed me to comment on the flash shirt, but apparently fate intervened and I, you know, was like, hey, cool flash shirt. And then I noticed his uh, tattoo on his arm. He has a half sleeve of the Justice League Trinity. And Wonder Woman's boots stick out from underneath his sleeve. And so I was like, oh, is that a Wonder Woman tattoo? And he was like, actually, I have the whole Justice League on my arm. And it's Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's cool. And I showed him my Batman tattoo. And we like, we were like, oh, that's so cool, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, okay, well, I got to go back to work. Bye. I was like okay bye um and then was like okay done with that let me go back to my corner and then when we got on set he just kept coming up to me and kept talking to me and you know we're both out there it's like drizzling and stuff and we're both like in hoodies and just feeling miserable about the weather and I was just like this guy keeps talking to me I'm not doing anything that should be calling attention to myself other than wearing a turkey outfit. <laughs> like a colorful beacon. Um, and it just, you know, we just hit it off. We talked about comics. We talked about all sorts of nerdy stuff. And, you know, we friended each other on Facebook. And then kind of after that, we started talking. And 
I, the, the rest is history at this point. We just got married back in March. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was 2015 when we met. Congratulations. So Five years. Yeah. It's, uh, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely a very awesome, it, I, I call it like a really cute origin story. Aww. And, <laughs> and he made sure that uh, when he proposed to me that it was on brand for the origin story that set up our relationship. I was, I was doing Shrek the Musical um, last, last July, not this past July, but July of 2019. And I was playing Princess Fiona, and he proposed on stage after the show while I was dressed as Ogre Fiona from the end. (laughs) And it was a wonderful moment. I cried. I smeared my makeup. It was it was the cutest thing. But it's totally everyone was like, it's totally on brand for you two. Like, we're not surprised that this was the moment that he chose to do that. <laughs> and and so with the Justice League tattoos and the Batman tattoo, how does that then progress you into all of the cosplay that you are now known as Babs the Bat for? <laughs> or yeah, sorry, so, for which you are known as Babs the Bat, to I say know, it in right? proper English. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, Dustin, Dustin is a, a costumer. He's a set costumer. He does aging and dying. He just... He does all of that kind of stuff in the film industry, but he is also, he does uh, special effects makeup. He does all this other like super creative stuff. And he was, he was running a LARP. He, you know, cosplays and goes to Dragon Con. And when I was getting to know him, it's just like, oh my gosh, you are so cool. You do all of these fun, nerdy things. Oh, you go to conventions, you cosplay. I've always wanted to do that. Quick question for the listeners. Explain what LARPing is for anyone who might not know. I know what it is, but just in case somebody listening does it. So LARPing uh, stands for live action role play, which is basically you go to an event and at that event, you are basically in character all weekend and you, you go through storylines and you go through, you go through all this stuff and you basically... It's like if you were to go to, like, the Georgia Renaissance Festival and be a cast member the whole time. It's kind of like that, but people do it for fun. And they get into battles and everything. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, you get into battles, and you hit each other with foam swords, and you you throw little packets of bird seed at each other. And, like, it's, for me, it was never an interest of mine. But that was, like, his extra nerdy thing that I was like, you go do that. Have fun. <laughs> I explain it to my mom that, you know, every, like once a month he would go camping essentially with his friends and they would like hit each other with foam swords. That was the bridge <laughs> version I gave my mother. Cause my mother doesn't understand any of that kind of thing. Yeah. Or if you've seen the episode of supernatural where Dean and Sam go to the the LARP and they run into Felicia Day and she's like the queen of the medieval camp or whatever that they're at that is what LARPing is or if you've seen the movie role models there's a lot of LARPing that happens in that movie yes and so you know in all of this 
uh, I was just like, cool. Like I've always wanted to go to a convention and dress up as a superhero or whatever, but I've always just not had the confidence to do it. And I had been to a convention before, but I, and I wanted to dress up, but I was like, I hear people do this, but I don't want to be the only one that dresses up. And oh boy, was I wrong. Because <laughs> everyone else was dressed up and I was the only one not dressed yeah, up. If you're not dressed up in Atlanta at Dragon Con, you look so out of place if you're dressed yeah. in your normal street clothes. Yeah. And typically if you're in your normal street clothes at Dragon Con, you have like residual makeup or something on you that's just like, oh, you just got out of a cosplay and you're going to get food. Yeah. <laughs> you just so, needed to relax and get something that's not as sweaty on. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, just dating Dustin and everything, I finally was just like, oh, like, you're going to a convention. Well, obviously, I want to go. Like, you're dressing up. Like, we planned a whole bunch of stuff. And then once I also, like, met his kids, his kids cosplay as well. And so, you know, our our first cosplay, my first time cosplaying was we did the Teen Titans Aww. and I was, I was Miss Martian. And so like straight out the gate, I'm in body paint. I'm in a wig with colored contacts in spandex, the whole nine yards. And Dustin is part of a group of friends that, you know, they've all been cosplaying for 15, 20 years at this point. And all of their stuff is top notch and phenomenal. And so I didn't really get that awkward, let me see what I can throw together phase of cosplay. <laughs> I would, I just like dove headfirst into it and didn't want to look shabby next to my boyfriend and his friends. So I was like, oh, I like, it has to be good. And so it's all just kind of taken off from there. I finally was able to put together a Batgirl cosplay, found that that was Indeed, my true alter ego. <laughs> and I have like four different versions of her suits. It's my most popular cosplay. I feel the most confident when I'm wearing a bat suit. And yeah, it's just it's just become such a part of who I am at this point. It started off as an Instagram handle and then it kind of went over to Twitter and then people just automatically assume that if you go by Babs the Bat. They assume that your name is Babs and it's not just a shortened hyphenated version of Barbara Gordon who is Batgirl. <laughs> or Ashley. <laughs> or Ashley, yeah. So, you know, everyone just knows me as Babs at this point on the internet and that's totally fine. It's kind of cool having an internet persona. Even though, like, the persona is just a different name. It's not me being different so everyone just knows me by a different name how do you go about getting your costumes the first couple of costumes that I did we would we would either purchase or we would buy different pieces for it and tweak it and put it together but then over time I was like why don't like I know how to sew why don't I just start making stuff like that's cheaper all the, like all around. Um, and so then I kind of started to make costumes and I can't do anything too terribly hard, but like anything basic I can, I can put together. Like I make 
I make 90% of my capes. I can make, I can make bodysuits. I can, I can do a fair amount of stuff, you know, and I would, I would take costume commissions every so often just for a little bit of extra money. And I really, I really enjoyed doing that. But, um, my latest Batgirl suit, I actually had it fully commissioned because it was so intricate and it's based off the Sideshow Collectibles statue that they released last year. Wow. And it's got it's got all these seam lines and it's got like on the statue it's obviously like Kevlar pieces that protect her her soft spots um like under her arms and stuff like that. And so I was like I I I have to have this suit. I have to. But I can't make this. It's going to look like crap if I make this. And so I commissioned a a wonderful costume maker out of LA. Her name is Lauren. She runs Castle Corsetry. And I had admired her stuff for years. And uh, she did a phenomenal job on my suit. And it is the most comfy. It's like it's like a, a thicker knit spandex. So it's not like that glossy, like, you know, ice skating, like superhero <laughs> spandex. It's a little bit thicker and sturdier, but there's also some like athletic knit stuff in there. And it's gorgeous, but it is the most comfy cosplay I have ever worn in my life. It feels like I'm wearing pajamas. I wore it for eight hours at Dragon Con the first time I wore it. And I was wrangling two kids at the same time who were running around in spider costumes. <laughs> My only mistake was I didn't drink enough water. And the mm. next day I felt like I got hit by a truck because I was dehydrated. It got so much love It because it, no one else has one like it right now. And so it it was... It was kind of like, oh, this is right now. This is a one of a kind suit because unless you've seen the statue, you're not going to know about it. It's my favorite thing. Like I wore it, I wore it when I was doing my Twitch stream, playing. I was playing Arkham Knight, and I did like four episodes playing through that. But I wore my Batgirl costume the whole time. <laughs> so it's just it. It's stuff like that that I've just gotten to do and really fall in love with and just build more confidence in myself. And and with this building of confidence and everything you've worked on, you've also started a podcast called Nerdspresso. Yeah. Let's chat about that for a little bit. Okay. I'll try not to go on as much of a tangent as I have with everything else, but basically Nerdspresso is a podcast that celebrates people who are basically getting to do like their dream job in a hobby that they love. I've talked to a bunch of people in the Dungeons and Dragons community. I've gotten to talk to the amazing Mark Mir, who is the voice of Commander Shepard um, on Mass Effect. I've gotten to talk to Cress Williams, who plays Black Lightning on the show Black Lightning. And I, you know, I've just gotten to talk to people around Atlanta who, you know, they're living their best life right now and doing what they love. And they just have really cool, nerdy jobs. And so we just, we talk about it. We kind of talk about how they got into it. A lot of them are like, you know, it's pure luck at this point. 
<laughs> you know, it, there is no rhyme or reason to how it happens. It just kind of happens. I have three nerdy coffee companies that sponsor the podcast. And so I go through and I, I choose a coffee blend that matches who I'm talking to and kind of gives me the same vibe as what they like or whatever. And we, we drink the coffee and we talk about it. And it's just like, it's two friends getting coffee and talking about life. It was a nice creative outlet and way to like express and get to kind of celebrate my friends that have really cool, really cool jobs. And where can people find or download episodes if they want to give it a listen? Yeah, um, you can find it basically anywhere. Um, I was really obnoxious with where I put it. Um, it's on it's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. It's on Google Play. It's on Podbean. It's on Podcast.com. It's it's a little bit of everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but wherever you listen to podcasts, is y- you should be able to find it. And if you can't check the next one, then you'll probably mm-hmm. find it. <laughs> exactly. Everyone uses Spotify at this point. Just go to Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) And you also own a production company. I do. That, because I've had to step away from the film industry temporarily to just kind of, you know, get finances in order and just kind of realize why I wanted to do what I wanted to do in the first place. Because I, you know, was working on I worked on The Gifted, which was an amazing show. Um, it's it's based on the X-Men. And so that was like a really cool nerdy show that I got to work on. After that, I kind of I kind of felt like I was floundering a little bit. And I was like, I got to do something to make money. Because <laughs> I'm not making money right now. And so I took a step back. And weirdly, I started working for a company that makes custom Dungeons & Dragons miniatures. Cool. Yeah. And I got that job because that company was sponsoring my husband's uh, D&D live stream. And we've become really involved in the Dungeons and Dragons TTRPG community in the past like two and a half years. And that's kind of like where the road has, has led us. And then I got laid off in January. And that was a bummer because I was that was another dream job that was just kind of like, oh, now that's gone. And then once COVID hit, I was like, I got to do something. And I, as an actor, you're, a lot of the times you're waiting for other people to notice you and cast you and want to work with you. And I was like, you know what? I want to take the middleman out of that equation and I just I need to be able to create whenever I want and so I I started this production company and right now it's kind of just the name and the twitch side because that's all I was able to do during quarantine and so it's still a like a fledgling company but I'm really excited to see where it goes It's called Chaotic Tiefling Productions. The name is based off of my very first D&D character. She was a chaotic gold tiefling with purple hair who got in trouble for using her fire spells too much. (laughs) And that's the name that just 
fit. And so I, while I was in quarantine, I started streaming on Twitch and I run a nerdy trivia show every Tuesday night at seven o'clock Eastern time. And we have prizes and we, you know, is it's not, it's not super easy trivia, but it's also not like super obscure. It's really fun. The show's only an hour, but it, you know, I have a special guest that I pick that knows about the subject that I bring in to compete against the audience. And we use an extension on Twitch that you can literally just pull it up on your desktop or your phone and it just pops up on your screen and you can just click the button. It's super easy. And, but we really like challenge our audience to get involved and try to beat our guest. And if they do, they get prizes. Yay. Everybody loves prizes. Yeah. Um, recently we've started a show, um, that I'm collaborating with. I'm actually producing it and I'm collaborating with, uh, two of my dearest friends, uh, Finn and Jessica. Finn was my Shrek in Shrek the Musical. Um, and I'm also doing Adam's Family with them whenever the world decides to not be on fire anymore. And they are our Gomez and Morticia. And so we we started doing these private Shakespeare reads just because, you know, as actors, we wanted to kind of have a way to, like, stretch our legs because we can't get on stage right now. Yeah. And we started doing these private reads, and they were really fun. And the really cool aspect of it was Finn and Jessica would put everyone who signed up to do that reading they would put all of their names in a hat and basically randomly draw names so all of the roles are randomly cast wow and it's so fun because you never know what you're gonna get you you have you know you have gender swapping you have like a like the ages are all over the place like everything is gender blind it's age blind and it just makes for chaos and hilarity and so we started doing that and then someone one of the cast members was like have you ever thought about streaming this or putting it on youtube or something and finn and jessica were like nah <laughs> that isn't really their thing but the more they thought about it they were kind of like you know what this could be really fun and I told him I was like if you decide you want to do it I've got the channel it's set up and so they they decided they were going to do it and so we we've been doing that for the past couple weeks and it's so fun and it's it's proven to be very popular um which makes me happy that that many people appreciate Shakespeare or just want a good laugh. Yeah. So, cause I thought it was, you know, it's Shakespeare. It's not going to pull in huge numbers, but you know, it, it, it pulls in decent numbers and I'm very happy that that, that many people enjoy it. But I've set chaotic tiefling up to be a space that allows people to have a space to create and we tell our Twitch chat, you know, you can make fun of the show. You can make fun of the characters because we're going to be in chat with you making fun <laughs> of the show and making fun of the characters. Cause it's Shakespeare. How do you not do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but our actors are strictly off limits. You are not allowed to say anything negative about our actors. 
um, because we want it to be a space where they can feel the creative freedom to try out crazy accents or, you know, wear funny hats or just be a person who has never acted before and has always wanted to and didn't know how to get into it and, you know, just jumped at this chance. Yeah. We have so many different types of people. We have people that used to do stuff on stage, but can't anymore because of like physical reasons. And so we we wanted to create this space that just kind of allowed everyone to have a place to, to do what they love and be creative. And that's what I strive for with KRT Bling as a, as a whole is just providing that space for people because I know how hard it is to have to fight for that space and find that space. I'm really excited to see where it goes in the future once the world is not on fire in anymore. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, you know, I just, I try to stay busy. Well, let's go ahead and get things wrapped up here and closed up. But before we do, um, social medias, where can people find you? Oh man. Oh my gosh. You can follow me on Instagram at, at Babs the Bat. You can follow me on Twitter at at Real Babs the Bat because someone already had the other one. So I had to tweak it just a little bit to be on Twitter. But I am the Real Babs the Bat. And then you can also follow Chaotic Tiefling at Chaotic Tief, T-I-E-F-A-T-L on Twitter um, to keep up with all the shows and stuff that we're doing. And you can follow us and subscribe on Twitter, or not Twitter, uh, Twitch. The other, the other T platform, uh, Twitch. Um, you can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash chaotic tiefling ATL. And tiefling is T-I-E-F-L-I-N-G. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Ashley, for hanging out. This has been amazing catching up because it's been I know. almost a decade since I, think I know, we right? worked together on set. <laughs> I know. It, it's so crazy. And I thought I had worked with you, like, somewhat recently but you know you said you moved away and blah 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 blah. and I was like oh I can't believe it's been so long but thank you so much for having me this was really fun and thank you listeners for hanging out with us again this week and we will see you guys next week for another episode the finale episode episode oh, man. number 50 oh of man above average joe show the big 5-0 Thank you again to our special guest, Babs the Bat, Ashley Fletcher. Be sure to check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitters, and look us up on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. You can also check out another podcast I co-host, The Extra Unordinary, and some other great media content by Moon Possum Productions at moonpossum.com.